You are listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast with pet business coach Kristen Morrison, episode number 81. Welcome to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast, where it's all about pet business challenges, real coaching, and real solutions to help you thrive in your pet business and in your life. And now, here's your host, pet business coach, Kristen Morrison. Hi, pet business owners. I'm in Hawaii right now, and I feel like I have to apologize a bit when I say that, because I know a lot of you, like me, before my husband and I arrived here last week, have been sheltering in place. And being confined and unable to travel is hard when you're sheltering in place and can definitely bring up some jealousy. And I know it has for me the last few months when I've seen people post their vacation photos on Facebook. So that's why I feel like I have to apologize. Like, yeah, we're in Hawaii. Sorry. So I want to explain a little bit. My husband and I live in Northern California And we've been sheltering in place since March 2020, so it's been a really long time since we've traveled. You probably have heard about the wildfires that are happening in the Bay Area, California, and a few days before we got here to Hawaii, I had a huge headache that would not go away, and now I know that it was from the smoke. When we got on the plane to go to Hawaii, my headache disappeared. And so I'm just so grateful to be here just for that alone. The skies have now cleared in the Bay Area, which I'm so happy about for my friends and family and my coaching clients who live in the Bay Area. And I know Oregon has been really hard hit, so I want to give a shout out of love to you who live in Oregon as well. And the reason why I even wanted to tell you that I'm in Hawaii, because I could have not even said anything, is because you may hear a strange sound in the background. And if you don't, I'm going to let you hear it. So those are not birds. (laughs) I know it sounds a bit like they might be birds. They're called kokis. They're frogs. And the ones that you hear are males who are singing to attract their mates They're usually a nocturnal creature, which some people really don't like because they like to sleep and the cokies affect their sleep. I like it. I find the sound really lulls me to sleep, but some people come here and they're like, you are kidding me. (laughs) Because it's it actually is quite quiet right now with cokie sounds, but at night it is so loud, it's like you're in the middle of a huge jungle. (laughs) Anyway. My husband and I are here for four weeks. However, we're quarantining for two of those weeks because Hawaii requires that at this point in time. And we're staying in our friend's really sweet little plantation home. It's on seven acres. So I'm so grateful that we have some space to roam. We don't feel as penned in. We literally cannot leave the property, which we're fine about because we have friends who are dropping off groceries for us. Of course, like basically leaving them outside the gate for us. It's like we're, (laughs) we have the plague, you know, even though we don't, we're totally healthy, but Hawaii is trying to protect the people who live here, which we really appreciate because we love Hawaii and, um, 
we don't want to put anyone in danger. So we're happy to be quarantining and it just feels really good to get away. And I hope that those of you that are feeling stir crazy will be able to get away at some point in the near future as well. And next week we're going to be free from quarantine, which will be really nice. So we'll have a couple weeks of, you know, not having to stay behind the gate. (laughs) So there are some things that I want to share with you before we go into the interview today with John Kenyon, which I'm very excited about. And I think it's really needed this conversation that I'm having with John Kenyon for this day and time that we're living in right now. But before I go there, I want to say that I'm so happy the Six Figure Pet Business audiobook just got released and it's available for immediate listening. And if you go to the show notes page, you'll see a link to find out more about that and to get that if you'd like to. And the show notes page is prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. And that is the number 81, so it's not spelled out. Again, prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. And though the audiobook is available right now on my website, and you'll find the link to that in the show notes, it will also be released on Audible in October 2020. I know there are some of you Audible subscribers who have been eagerly waiting for it, and so it is coming in October 2020, and I don't know the exact date, but when it does get released or when I know the date, I will let you know on a podcast episode, so just a heads up about that. If you are already on Audible, you will see three of my other books on Audible, and I'm going to name those so that if you're interested, you can find those. 30 Days to Start and Grow Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business, The Hiring Handbook for Pet Sitters and Dog Walkers, and then a third book that's on there is Six Figure Pet Sitting. And this new audiobook that will be coming in October 2020 on Audible is the only book I have that is only for dog trainers, pet groomers, and dog daycare owners. I didn't want to leave you and your ears out. (laughs) So you have a book that's just for you. It's not for pet sitters or dog walkers. So if you're a pet sitter or dog walker, I do not recommend that book. I recommend you get six-figure pet sitting instead. And I also wanted to share that I'm in the midst of creating an online course for those of you who are thinking about starting a pet business. It is a seven-day process to start your business from a thought to an actual thing within seven days. And I will be releasing that online course in November 2020. So I'll be sharing more about that in a coming episode. Also, This is another thing I'm really excited about, you guys. The fourth ever 30-day pet sitting and dog walking business challenge is happening. This will be the fourth one that I've done that I've offered pet sitters and dog walkers and really any pet business owner can be a part of it. And that starts on January 2nd. 2021. So if you and your pet business need a kick in the pants, you know who you are due to this pandemic, which a lot of us, you know, have had to grapple with challenges, right? In the business world, you will not want to miss this. And there are pet business owners from all over the world who are signed up already, not just pet sitters and dog walkers. So If no matter where you live in the world, it'll be great for you. And I'm so excited to have you all meet each other. A lot of Prosperous Pet Business podcast 
listeners are attending that challenge. Even though the information in the challenge is targeted toward pet sitters and dog walkers, really, like I said, anyone with a service-based pet business will really benefit from the information that I'm going to be sharing in that challenge. Again, this is the fourth challenge that I've offered and each one, you know, gains momentum it seems. And I'll be including some really special marketing information specifically for pet business owners who are grappling with how to market both during and after the pandemic. And that will be along with the regular course material. The challenge is not just, you know, an online course that you just do. It's actually interactive. It's super supportive. You'll have the opportunity to get a business buddy. You'll have support from me and from other pet business owners. And you'll also have action steps to really keep you on track for each of the 30 days, plus a lot more. It is like the 30-day pet sitting and dog walking business book on steroids. It's all interactive. You'll get to connect with other people who are you know, doing that journey as well. I've had a lot of people ask me, is it just for people that are starting their business? Absolutely not. In fact, a lot of the people who have attended and a lot of people who have attended have attended like each one I've done because they've gotten a lot out of it. So, you know, if you've attended already, come and join us. But I've had a lot of people who have attended who have said, wow, this really helps. You know, it's helping me stay on track. I feel supported. I feel connected. And that's very important to me and a real important part of the course. So you will have an opportunity to get a business buddy. Again, you're going to have support from me and other pet business owners, and those action steps that will help you. So you can go, if you want to find out more, you can go to SFPSA, that's the acronym for Six Figure Pet Sitting Academy, sfpsa.com forward slash 30, and that's the number 30. So I'm going to repeat that, sfpsa.com forward slash 30. And that will bring you to the challenge page. And you can also go to the show notes page and you'll find a link there as well as the links to the free gift that today's podcast guest, John Kenyon, is offering. And the show notes page is prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. So one more thing I want to say about the challenge. It is at a low price for now, but it will be going up very soon. So if you're thinking about doing it, I really would advise you to jump on it now to get that early bird special because once the price goes up, it will not be lower. And then it goes up yet again as the challenge gets closer. So it'll go up two more times after this. So I really encourage you to just check it out, see if it's a good fit. If it's not, no problem, no worries. Don't feel like you have to do it, but if you're feeling like it may be a good fit for you for where you're at in your business, if you're wanting to either start or you're wanting to grow your business or you're feeling really stuck because of the pandemic, I would recommend that you check it out. So I wanted to talk about the guest today, John Kenyon. He is 
an amazing speaker and really, really going to be speaking about an important topic. So his mission is the worldwide spread of a process for how to have difficult conversations that require empathetic connection, compassion, and collaboration. And this is so needed now. I am finding people, I don't know about you, but I'm finding people really charged up. Like people that typically would be really loving, or compassionate, or patient are kind of at their wits end. And you may be feeling that and find yourself lashing out sometimes. Um, You may be experiencing that from clients, friends, family members, staff members. A lot of people are really on edge because of you know, what's happening politically, what's happening personally, what's happening in terms of the world. And I don't want to talk about that. That's not what this podcast is about. But there are solutions for dealing with those kinds of people that are really, really challenging. So no matter how long you've been in business, no matter who you are, If you own a pet business, you are bound to experience conflict with your clients or your staff member at some point. If not now, then in the future at some point, right? So let's face it. If you're dealing with people, and especially if you're dealing with the public, it's really not a question of if you're going to experience conflict. It's a matter of when that conflict will arise, and especially given what's happening in the world right now. So I want to invite you to sit down, to relax, or, you know, maybe you're listening to this while you're walking or driving. That's great. We are going to dive into this segment so that you'll be better prepared when your inevitable communication conflicts arise. There are surefire ways to more easily deal with conflict, and John Kenyon is going to be sharing solid tips to do that in today's podcast episode. And, you know, when I interviewed him, I just loved how he started off the interview by sharing a really vulnerable experience from his own personal life. It was, I was really touched by that. And he did that in order to clearly demonstrate the exact method of how to become a better communicator, especially when it's challenging to communicate. It's easy to communicate when things aren't challenging. How do we communicate lovingly, empathetically when things are difficult and when there's conflict? And, you know, what he and I talked about too is often resolving conflict with family and close friends can be even more daunting than with clients and staff members. There were so many times, you guys, that I wanted to take notes during this interview. I wanted to actually like say, John, just stop for a second. I want to like write that down, but I refrained so that I could be fully present with him. But I did go back and I listened to the interview so I could then take notes and create my own personal cheat sheet for when I need to have my next difficult conversation. And since I'm a human being, just like you are, and I have other humans around me on a daily basis, I'm sure it's going to happen sooner than I think. So I'm happy I have my cheat sheet. So you may want to do that too. I would recommend if you're able to be in a place where you can either stop 
and perhaps write notes on your notes section in your phone or, you know, have a pad of paper or your computer to be able to jot things down. And if not, you can listen to this again. So also what I want to say is you'll find a cheat sheet that John created for you in the show notes. And this is a communication cheat sheet for conflict resolution. And the show notes page again is prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. Again, that's prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. And I just want to say John's interview was recorded using really high quality recording devices on both of our ends. But in spite of this, you might notice that some small audio glitches happened in the recording. And so I just want to thank you for your patience and understanding. And if you hear that, it does get better. So just be willing to hang in there. So in this podcast segment, you're going to learn tangible ways that you can resolve conflict with clients and staff members. We need those tangible ways, don't we? How do I actually do this? What do I do? And then how to apply the method that he teaches to real world situations that pet business owners often face. How do you do that? And important points to remember when it comes to having a difficult conversation, because it's one thing to, you know, listen to this. It's another thing to actually be using it actively in your life. And so he's going to go over that. And then how to deep escalate the feeling of being triggered so that you can effectively work toward resolution. Because when we are triggered, it's nearly impossible for us to be able to cross the bridge and go over to that other person, isn't it? It's very challenging. So when we can de-escalate the feeling of being triggered, we can then effectively work toward resolution. And you'll find out a lot more. So before we dive into today's segment, here's a word about our well-loved and customer service-focused sponsor, Pet Sitters Associates. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, Pet Sitters Associates has provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. If you work in the pet care industry or you want to make your passion for pets into a profession, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetSitLLC.com. Also, Pet Sitters Associates is offering Prosperous Pet Business Podcast listeners $15 off when you join today by using the discount code PODCAST at checkout. To find out more, go to the podcast show notes page at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. Once again, prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. I'm here today with John Kenyon. He is a communication coach. He's a mediator. He's an amazing communicator. And he's worked a lot with nonviolent communication, which is a very powerful modality that I've done a little bit of work in and enjoyed learning about. And I've just heard a lot of wonderful things about him. And I think you all are going to get a lot out of his 
what he has to share today, his wisdom. And so I'm just really, really happy to have you here today, John. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be part of uh, what you're offering to the world here. Great. Thanks. Yeah, we have a lot of pet business owners who grapple with a lot of challenges around communicating with both their clients and their staff members if they have staff members. And so I think you'll have a lot of tips for them, which are will really help them. And, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. So I want to start, though, with what got you interested in this kind of work and have you always been a really great communicator or did you come to the work from needing to learn how to communicate better in your own life? Yeah, I would say that uh, I have far as like back as I can remember, I was someone that people felt comfortable around and um, kind of a peacemaker in various ways in my friends, with my friends or family, uh, sort of the person that they kind of played that role. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been known as someone that's pretty like peaceful and calm and compassionate and all that. But I think what really led me into doing this work was I decided I wanted to study psychology and clinical psychology and wanted to help people in that way. And I, and I went to go do that work. Um, but what I found was, I, there's one particular body of work I really loved, a, a man named Carl Rogers had developed a whole body of work around a certain type of psychotherapy. But I, didn't, I, I knew I didn't wanna be a therapist. Uh, I, got, I got clear on that through my, in five years in my graduate program. But I love the work of Gandhi too, and social, a kind of larger social vision and social change and bringing that spirit of nonviolence to how we can you know, make change in the world. And then I happened to come across Marshall Rosenberg, mm-hmm. uh, the founder of nonviolent communication. And it completely brought those two things together in this amazing way that I just, every part of my being knew that that was what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. And, uh, and an interesting <laughs> thing about my life is uh, getting married to the woman that I'm married to, we we have, as I imagine many people can realize too, areas of, of similarity, but then also some areas of some big differences. And they just happen to be ones where there's a lot of opportunity for, for conflict and, diff, you know, working things out. And so that has been a huge, you know, I've come, it's been very humbling for me to think that I'm sometimes the greatest mediator and con- communication person in the world. And and I have challenges too. And this work that I do, it's like it's been invaluable just to get through my life in a great way with my relationships, with my wife, with my kids, with my people I've worked with, and just in and so many ways. Uh-huh. It's been just like a, a lifesaver, really. I've just, I don't really know how I would have been gotten through life the way I have without knowing about these kind of skills. So it's yeah. been um, incredibly helpful. It's so comforting to hear that you experience those kind of challenges too. Because I know in for me and my relationship, we have a lot of similarities and also a lot of differences. And there are times where we kind of bump up against each other and we're both really strong individuals and it can be kind of intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's... it's uh, I know for me, having some of these communication modalities in my toolbox has really made a huge difference in terms of being able to communicate. And he's a great communicator too. So that's been really wonderful. Mm. So as far as your life goes, before we kind of move on into 
pet business owners and what they might be experiencing. Like, can you give us a real life example of your own, which like the last time that you experienced conflict with somebody, what it was in regards to and, and how you dealt with it? Yeah. Yeah. So another really interesting, um, for me, it's sort of ironic almost part of my life is, is my wife and my stepmother have a very classic mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship and that they have lots of challenges with each other. And, Mm. and, um, so I've been dealing with that for, for quite a while through the course of, um, of our marriage. And not that long ago, I had a, a conversation. My, my mom wanted to have a conversation with me about this and she had gotten upset about us. Some certain things had gone on. And, uh, so I, I went over to, to meet with her and my dad and what I, what I did. So it, I, the training I do, which I can get a lot more in detail about, but just for now is it that, um, there's a lot of skills to learn and practice and get really, you know, develop mastery in. Mm-hmm. And, but something that more and more over the recent years that I've come to see is that if even in a, you know, in a personal interaction, if I can create a context where there's an agreement to step into some kind of process together, mm-hmm. that it's so much easier to use the skills that I have. So I'll be sharing a little bit more about that as well. But I went to my, my mom and when we sat down, I said, so mom, what I'd like to do is like do this little bit of a process with you related to the work I do where we, you know, we take turns speaking and listening and saying back what we're hearing each other say and, and then, and then, you know, make sure we hear each other and then talk about some solutions. Are you up for that? Can we, can we try to do it? Cause we never, normally we just launch into the conversation and she says stuff and then I respond and, <laughs> and I said, like, can we do it in this other way? You know? And, and, uh, she said, well, I, I don't know. Okay. And, and, and we did. And it just, even in my mind, it just framed it so that I knew exactly where we were in this process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she said a bunch of stuff for a while, but I knew I just I listened and it was some stuff was hard to hear and somewhat triggering, but I just could mm-hmm. stay with her and just hear her and be with her and reflect back. And then I, and, uh, and then when she felt complete i said i have some stuff i want to say too can you hear me now and so okay and i said it and then i asked her to say back some of what she was hearing me say because it was kind of like there's this permission like we're doing this process together right mm-hmm. and uh, and she did somewhat i mean it was hard for her it's really hard for her to do that kind of communication with me but she did okay and we we went back and forth that way and i thought we had one of the better conversations we've been able to have when she's particularly kind of charged up about something mm-hmm. and we got to some strategies at the end of that. And we're still you know, we're, we're working on um, uh, implementing those, but it gave a whole kind of pathway through that conversation mm-hmm. that was, it felt so like I didn't just have my skills to rely on. I had yeah. some, something else that was kind of holding us in the conversation to help, especially me kind of keep track of where we were and where we're going and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's incredibly helpful. And it was very useful in that conversation. I, I really like, you know. That's great. And it sounds like you, by bringing up the process and, and all of that, it was creating a container. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
And I always thought I had to be because I do this work mm-hmm. or, you know, I mediate between people a lot in the world as well as I do a lot of training. And when I do that, I kind of explain, okay, here's this mediation process and we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to help you hear each other. Right. But, but if it's my own situation, I always thought I had to just wing it and just use my skills. But I realized that no, if it's it, 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 most people, if you, the way, if you ask it in a, in a, in a really kind of open you know, kind of just inviting way people, I think people kind of be willing to say, yeah, okay, we can, we can do that. Cause they think people get a sense that if you have something that you agree to do, it's going to make it easier to talk. Absolutely. And, you know, I heard you say, typically, you know, there's kind of a launching in from both sides with yeah. something that's as charged as this. And I know I'm thinking about issues that I dealt with, with staff members and clients and my pet business owner, people, you know, deal with that a lot too, where kind of the typical way to do it is sort of launching in and there's no listening when that happens or little listening. So just enough to know how you're going to get your rebuttal to say back the thing you want them to hear. And yeah, and I find I can still fall into it sometimes if something's really, you know, really got me in, in yep. charged about something that I want to, you know, jump in with no, but I want you to, you know, yeah, perspective. Yeah. and it just, it goes so fast back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And this is a way that slows it down. That really helps to just, Oh yeah, let's hear each other. Let's get connected. And then let's yeah. work together to find some solution. Yeah. And that's a word I keep hearing you say too, which is together. Yeah. It's like not you or me or me, you know, it's us. Yeah. together working out a solution together yeah really it being inclusive exactly exactly because yeah. i mean isn't that when we have the best outcomes when we're working together mm-hmm. to, to create something probably better than we could create on our own if we can do it together it's we're as human beings i've done a lot of, sort of lately studying the anthropology of human beings and the hunter-gatherer period and how we've evolved and like this this ability to to work together has really enabled us to do all the incredible things that we've done, mm-hmm. um, this ability to cooperate. But in conflict, if we don't feel safe, like that, this idea of psychological or emotional safety, I think is really, really key um, to understanding conflict and how to get to a cooperative place and a trusting place mm-hmm. is that we got to feel safe with each other. Mm-hmm. And this is a way, having a context and having certain language and skills makes it so we can actually create that safety that allows us to to work together. Oh, this is so good. And so let's say somebody's listening, and I'm sure there are a number of people that are watching this right now who are grappling with some kind of challenge, communication or otherwise, and they're experiencing conflict with someone. What are some simple steps that they can take to begin to resolve that or create a bridge with that client, let's say, or staff member? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot I could share. So I'm, I'm trying to... I'm yeah, try I know to, it's hard uh, to distill it down. So to distill it down. But I think of a, of a process for difficult conversations or having a difficult conversation has this sort of three basic layers or phases to it. And the first phase for me is just about mutual understanding. And that understanding is not the same as agreement. And I think as as obvious as that sounds, probably when I say it, I think it's so easy to forget. 
when we're in disagreement, when something really matters to us, it's we so much want the other person to agree with us. And we think we kind of need them to agree with us in order to feel like okay about our position or whatever. And actually I found it not at all. In fact, it's I think maybe even richer and better to have this disagreement that then you have to find a creative way to synthesize those those differences. And it's a really robust kind of solution when you're integrating and synthesizing differences. So, but anyways, that one one big tip is that in this first part of the conversation to to focus more on just understanding without having to agree and being understood without the other person having to agree with you. And that's and that's huge to to just be able to do that and to know that you can kind of slow down a little bit and really make sure that's happening. Mm-hmm. Understanding without needing to agree. Mm, that's profound. <laughs> yeah. And I can keep, I can just keep going and you interrupt me when you want to ask another question. Yeah. Great. I love okay. it. I'm, I'm all ears. Okay. So during this first phase, as you're, you know, when you're trying to, to, to be in this mutual understanding place, there's some things you can pay attention to in the communication. You can be, whether you're speaking it or you're listening it, you can pay attention to thinking versus feeling. So a lot of times we mix all that together, thoughts and feelings. And actually, it's really helpful to, to kind of separate that out. And so that the, the thoughts are kind of the images and evaluations and judgments that we have versus the emotional um, body kind of felt experiences. So for example, I might, we might often, normally you'd hear someone say, I just feel that you're being, you know, really stubborn right now. Or I just, I, I feel kind of attacked by you right now. Yeah. And to me, those aren't real feelings yet. I mean, they're, they're more images of what I, th- I think you're attacking me. I think that you're being difficult or not listening or whatever it is. And even though I'm using the word feel, it's still more about what I think. Mm-hmm. So, so if I could say more, if I would just be clear about, oh, am I, how do I feel? I feel frustrated or irritated, annoyed. I feel kind of worried or anxious. I feel disappointed. Um, but, you know, you, instead of I feel betrayed or something, it's like, no, I feel really hurt and sad or angry, right? So to really be clear what those emotions are mm-hmm. versus what I think and what I'm observing that's sort of triggering that and, and kind of being able to, as I'm listening, say, can I, can I listen for those differences in thoughts and feelings and be able to kind of somehow maybe convey that back what I'm hearing? And then lastly to be able to get to the needs underneath. So that's coming out of the work of nonviolent communication. A core idea is that underneath our thoughts, like if I have the thought you're, you know, you're selfish, underneath that thought is a need being expressed for consideration and care, right? And sensitivity to others. Mm-hmm. So you can listen for the needs underneath the thoughts and also for emotions. Like if someone's scared, I can guess they're probably needing safety or security or trust or well-being or something like that so you can get good at this language of needs when you're listening or when you're speaking and you want someone to hear you in a more kind of universal way where we connect as human beings through the common needs that we share mm-hmm. so that's all ways you can sort of understand and listen and speak to get that mutual understanding to happen mm-hmm. yeah so I, don't, I think of that as like just how you can be in that sort of first phase of mm-hmm. really trying to hear each other and feel understood Okay, now, there's two other phases after that, but let me let me stop there uh, to just see if you want me to go on or you have a question. Uh, 
I, I actually don't. I'm just okay. taking all this in. It's great. So I'll just, just because we don't have a lot of time. I'm sure. So the second stage I think of is to really, uh, once you've talked back and forth, to just be clear, what are the kind of the core needs that you really want to focus on together? Like the, the ones that are really important to you, really important to me, and just sort of make sure we're clear on that. And, and that's, I think of that as sort of the second stage of a conversa- difficult conversation. And the last is about solution requests and agreements. So what, what do we actually want to request of each other to ask? Because a lot of times we don't ask really clearly for what we'd like. We stay kind of vague. I want you to be more considerate or not so disrespectful, or, right? We kind of keep it in that general language. And if you can get really specific, like... Um, I'd like to get into an example of a, of a, of a pet or a staff situation to really sure. keep this concrete, but, but to kind of in, in terms of your request, be really specific about what you'd like or, or tell the other or, or ask the other person what they specifically would really like to get to a, a solution that works for both of us. And then lastly, agreements. And I think we sometimes forget to like, make sure we're agreeing about what we're going to do. You know, sometimes we just talk and we assume there's an agreement mm-hmm. or we, you know, you don't really make sure, okay, so this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. This is how we're going to, right. And then there's a few different levels of, a, of agreement, but that's mm-hmm. sort of the basic idea. And it helps me to think in those three stages of talking, mm-hmm. um, trying to work something out together. And it's really helpful for me to kind of have that roadmap in my mind. And especially if the other person agrees, like I said earlier, if we can agree that we're going to do this as kind of a, a process, then then we're kind of working together to do those three things. Mm-hmm. And so the three things being, if you had to bullet point them, what would they yeah. be? Mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It's just mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. And then the second... Um, reflecting needs or getting clear on the human needs, the, the core ones that we're trying to meet. Mm-hmm. And then the third is solution requests and agreements. Okay, great. So let's jump into a situation that a pet business owner might have. And I actually put it out to some Facebook friends. You know, what what are you guys going through in your business right now? And I had a bunch of people respond. Okay. There are a lot of communication challenges that are happening out there. Okay. Um, one guy in particular said that he has a policy in terms of he's an overnight pet sitter. And he has a policy where he asks that clients don't have anybody else in the home mm-hmm. because um, for one, it's uncomfortable for him. He's staying overnight with the pets in the house. And if somebody else is there, it can be kind of awkward. So that's a policy that he has. And there is a specific client who consistently has her teenage son who's supposed to be staying someplace else show mm-hmm. up at the house mm-hmm. to grab mm-hmm. some things sometimes, but other times he turns on the TV and he's hanging out and the pet sitter has tried to enforce that with the client, but with no success, they say it's not that big of a deal. It's just our teenage son. He needs to be able to come get his stuff. Like, how would yeah. you deal with that? Yeah. Okay. So I can get into some, some, uh, some more nuances around this too. Okay, here. Great. I would say, going and having, if you've already, this person's already tried having a conversation, maybe there's, there's with some of the things I'm saying, maybe a different kind of conversation you could have with this, with this person, Mm -hmm. with the the owner. And, but before doing that, if you're going into that conversation with some, uh, what we might say kind of enemy images, not literally enemy, but like negative images, judgment, sort of, you know, when we start thinking kind of in a negative way towards somebody, we have these images and judgments of them. That kind of is a barrier to relating 
in a way, because people pick up on that, right? And then they get defensive. Even if it's not super overt in our language, our body language is conveying that we're holding some, some judgment towards that person. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the judgment is this person is is untrustworthy or or they're inconsiderate. They they don't follow through on their agreements. They don't they don't care. They're insensitive. They're disrespectful. Right? You could have all these kind of a story of this other of this this pet owner, mm-hmm. and to do so, what you can do ahead of time is. So the process I was telling you about earlier, I like calling it a three chairs process because the work I do is a combination of the nonviolent communication body of work plus a mediation framework that's about kind of two, the the, the framework is an idea that there's a a mediator and two disputants, two, two chairs, so to speak, that are in conflict and then the mediator that's there to help support the connection. Mm -hmm. And, but what I have found is that that, that those three chairs are very symbolic and the space of a geometric space of that triangle is, is really helpful, I find, in, in being able to approach a conflict. And that, that idea of being in the third chair, that anybody, so you don't have to be a mediator, a professional mediator, but anybody in any kind of difficulty, you can kind of take that inner sense of a third chair. And, and, and the last component that, that we integrate in, the, in our own training is this idea of mind, is mindfulness and a kind of an awareness so that that third chair represents the ability to be not our thoughts or our emotions, but the awareness of our thoughts and emotions. And so before you even go into a conversation, you can use this idea of, a, of this three chairs and the stepping back into this sort of observing place within us and, and kind of give empathy to ourselves. This one chair can represent ourself that we normally think of ourselves as that it has all these thoughts and emotions and reactions and give empathy to ourselves as this sort of intermediator with ourselves mm-hmm. and, and be like, okay, so if I'm having those thoughts, what, what is, what might the needs be this guy looking for the needs underneath the thoughts, right? So it might be, oh yeah, I want to feel respect. I want to feel care. I want to feel a sense of mattering that I matter, you know, that what I'm saying, this important to me matters. And like, oh my God, I may be like, that's a real trigger for me because that goes beyond the situation. Whenever something like this happens, I have this thought, I don't matter what I have to say, what my needs are not being cared about. Oh my God, it's about mattering and knowing that my needs matter and who I am matters. (sighs) There's a kind of relaxation that can occur. Oh yeah. And if I'm feeling, I notice I'm feeling angry and irritated. What's that? Oh yeah, that's another way to get to another pathway to get to this need. Maybe if it's through the emotions, maybe a different need pops up. Oh, it's for just consideration. I just want there to be an, an awareness of how this is impacting me, mm-hmm. a sense of awareness and consideration. And then just doing that, you kind of like, ah, oh, you kind of settle. It, it, it's you shift out of this sort of thinking that's all about kind of what's wrong with this person and the judgments to what I what we need as human beings and 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 connecting our feelings there instead of I feel this way because you, he's doing this he's having his son stay there mm-hmm. oh no it's about wanting to matter to to feel consideration awareness and then that shifts the focus and I kind of relax a little bit my mind shifts and my body shifts and then I can also though not only give that empathy to myself I can give that empathy to the other person before I even go into the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what happens in mediation. You're trying for both parties to hear each other. I can do that with my inside my own self. So, oh, I wonder when the sun is showing up like that, what's going on? What might be happening? 
And it opens up a place of empathy and compassion for the other person. Mm -hmm. So I can start thinking in terms of what are they thinking and feeling and what needs are they maybe mm -hmm. going on for them. So it could be maybe they're stressed out. Maybe the, mm -hmm. the son is having trouble and isn't have a stable place to stay and is, is needing to come there. And maybe they're dealing with a lot of stress in their life. And it's like this sort of need for flexibility and care for the son and sort of wanting to, to support, to support him, to feel cared and understood and supported for what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's true, but it puts me in a more compassionate space to go into the conversation. Yeah. And it sounds like it needs to start with us first, really it's a way to do that. Yeah. It's a otherwise way. We can't go to empathy for another if we're not giving the empathy to ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of research on self-compassion as well as mm -hmm. well as self-empathy and how important it is to, to give that to ourselves and that sort of kindness to ourselves and understanding for what we're feeling. And then we can start to shift into trying to give that to the other person. But what's cool is you can do that before you even walk into the conversation yep. to prepare yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then when then so if you do that, then you can go, this person could go and have another conversation or if they haven't a conversation with this person, like a, a, a more like, let's really talk about what's going on conversation. Mm -hmm. And and often if you can start off with empathy for the other person, it's much more helpful. Usually that mm -hmm. that the the other person sometimes if they feel really heard and understood, they can more easily hear us. Mm -hmm. And so how would this guy who posted this for me, you know, as an example, yeah. how would he then go to his client and have empathy? What might he say to the client? Yeah. So again, there could be depending on the relationship and the context and how you want to do this, you could say, as I'm thinking about this particular situation, I don't know that it would be about, oh, let's, can we use this process to have a conversation? Yeah. That might feel too heavy. And business, it might not be, yeah. it might so, be a little too touchy feely. for. Or, yeah. Or yeah. Just not, but so what I could imagine though, is just going in and saying something like, if I was this person, you know, talking to the, the owner mm -hmm. of the house, um, I might say, you know, I, I want to talk with you about your son being here at the times when, um, you know, I'm staying over and you're, and we've had the agreement he won't be here, but he is. I just want to talk a, a, about that again. And I realize what we haven't done is I really want to understand better from your, from on your side, what, what's going on? Because, you know, we have talked about this a bit and, but it, it, it does keep happening. And I just feel like I, I, I want you to kind of hear some ways that that's not so great for me, but I, I really want to understand First, you know, what's happening for you and what you want me to understand. Mm. Like that. Mm -hmm. And that could be an opening, I would imagine, for that person to really appreciate being able to say more about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then I could just stay with them a little bit. So maybe they talk about whatever it is. And then I just listen and maybe say back a little bit of, so it sounds like, you know, you're having some struggles with this or that and you really, whatever. And I, I just kind of can, can say back some of what I'm hearing and listening for those needs. What needs is this person trying to meet in their words and what they're saying? And then when that, that person feels complete, I could say, yeah, can you, I, I got some things I want to say now too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, can you, yeah, whether you ask for that or just start going into it, mm -hmm. that idea of really tracking, I'm going to listen to you and then I'm going to shift and see if you can hear me. Yeah. And be able to just keep the clarity of, am I keeping my attention with you or am I asking you to bring the attention over to me? Mm -hmm. It's often another little tip that a lot of times people do not have that awareness of. And it's really helpful actually, because a lot, it gets all mixed jumbled together back and forth. And, you know, it's, 
it, it, the communication gets, gets, gets blocked. Whereas if you can really just be to have that clarity of like, okay, if we're going to, am I going to focus? Are we going to focus on you? Or are we going to try to hear me? Then that tends to kind of create this clarity that starts to form between what we're trying to say to each other. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And then what, anything else about that process in terms yeah. of, okay. well, then I would then make sure that we you know if we can get clear what and often that just happens as we're talking what what the the needs are that we're trying to to meet mine you know have I been clear about what what why is this important to me to be able to have make no one there you know mm-hmm. and if I'm this per- I don't know what it would be for this person maybe safety I just want to feel safe I want a sense of peace and calm and just like really um, just feeling at ease and comfortable mm-hmm. and if someone else is in the house I don't feel that mm-hmm. um but maybe that wasn't so clear to this person. So they didn't really get that. And then whatever the, 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 the needs are for this person. And then just to, to remembering that third phase of, okay, what are the requests? And what, what agreement, maybe there's a new kind of agreement we need to come up with. Mm-hmm. What we've come up with so far isn't adequate. It's not doing it. That's why it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So can we make any new requests of each other that might really try to um, find a different, a different agreement between us? So it could be very creative. And I don't, again, I don't know enough of the details on this, but it could be something like, you know, would it work for you if, you know, your son was there for some, you know, some part of the time, but then, um, I don't know what it would be, but we have a backup plan. If he's there, you can't find any other option for him. We have a plan of what to do that isn't just leaving him be there, but Mm -hmm. that we find another way, um, and that we have that as an agreement between us, as a strategy for when this comes up, the situation comes up. So we've talked about it. We've come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. But the, And the idea that making a request that isn't a demand. So instead of demanding that it has to be a certain way on my side, it's like, well, would this work for you? How about if we did it like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That doesn't work. Okay. Help me understand why. Oh, okay. Well, what do you think? What would work? And we mm-hmm. that way, we're sort of really being kind of curious and open instead of, rigid and sometimes yeah. when, we, when our needs are really strong especially if it's about security or safety or a sense of of comfort it's sometimes we get kind of tense around that and people pick up on that and there's this resistance that comes up yeah and sort of soften into really just connecting to the needs and okay there are a lot of ways to get these needs met i don't have to freak out about this <laughs> we just kind of be open with each other about how can we meet this together work together and then getting specific and clear and then see if we can make an agreement, try it out. And another tip is it doesn't have to be the perfect agreement the first time. Yeah. As a, an iterative process mm-hmm. that you try the agreement, you see if it's working, you have an agreement to come back. And if it doesn't work out, you're going to talk again, but that, that you can learn from what happens and, and then move towards a better and better strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, because who knows what's going on on the other side that might make this really tough. And you just can kind of have this ongoing sense Well, we, there's never necessarily a failure. It's just we keep trying and communicating, getting to what the needs are, what are some strategies, what are some agreements, and then seeing do we need to make new agreements or is this working? Mm-hmm. 
Want to take what you're learning from the podcast and begin to apply it in your own pet business so you can see powerful results? The Pet Business Online Course Learning Platform can help you do that. You'll find instant access courses that can help you launch or grow your pet business starting right now. You can watch, listen, and learn from the courses right now or whenever works best for you and from wherever you're at in the world. The How to Start Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business in 7 Days online course gives you step-by-step instruction and comprehensive tools to help you launch your own pet care business and get paying clients in just one week. The four-week Pet Business Catapult program provides a weekly comprehensive plan to help you create systems and strategies so you can work on your business instead of in your business. You'll also learn exactly what you need to find, hire, and train quality staff and attract high-paying, profitable clients. With these classes and the many other online classes you'll find on the course platform, you can take your pet business to a new level of growth and success starting right now. Go to PetBusinessCourses.com. That's PetBusinessCourses.com or use the online learning platform link in the show notes page to start transforming your pet business right now. You'll find many classes for all your business needs, including how to get your website higher on the search engines and how to use Facebook marketing to grow your pet business, plus many others. New courses are added monthly. These online courses provide solutions and actionable steps so you can quickly take your business to a new level of growth and profitability. And you'll receive your courses in less than 60 seconds after ordering. To find out more, go to PetBusinessCourses.com. And earlier I heard you talk about being triggered, you know, when, when we're triggered. How, and I, I would imagine that getting empathetic toward our own needs helps to diffuse some of that. But what are some other ways to help diffuse that feeling of being really triggered? Because from that place, it's impossible to have a constructive conversation. Yeah, well, there's a a part of the brain that's been researched quite a bit, uh, the amygdala and that whole system that goes with a fight, fight or freeze response in us that's go, you know, that's deep in our DNA and our evolutionary history that all about protection, survival, right? And that's deeply hardwired into us. And that's, I think that's what gets activated. That's the triggering into that part of the brain. That's just, it's not about connection or compassion or caring. It's just about survival, really. And often in in a way that's about, again, it's fighting or fleeing. Mm -hmm. So to just, you know, have compassion for how strong that part of us is that we do get triggered. And, um, And then when we are, we, we don't think in the same way we, we do when we're not. We, our emotions are really different. Our thoughts, our th- beliefs, and our whole way of perceiving shifts are very different. So I think just a, a lot of compassion around that helps. Mm-hmm. And, and then what I found really helpful is, again, this idea of the, the three chairs and taking the third chair of the inner kind of third chair of that mediator mm-hmm. presence inside, the awareness inside, is what I've made this distinction in me around the observing of my thoughts versus my thoughts. So I, when I, even as I'm talking to you now, there's the, there's the me that's thinking and using language and talking to you, right? But there's also the, the, the me that's aware of that. It's aware that I'm thinking and talking and using language. And, and if I can identify with that, that I am the one that's aware, I'm not the, the, the voice in me that talks 
the, that I think of normally as myself, that I think of, oh, I'm the one that's speaking and thinking and having these beliefs and ideas. Oh, what if that's not the deepest, biggest sense of me? The real me is like that aware, because I can be aware of that. And when I make that shift and the physical representation is that taking that third chair, oh, when I do that and I go, oh, every thought that I'm thinking, that's not fully me that the me the more me is mm. the awareness of that mm. and then the feelings that oh can i just feel my feelings because a lot of times it's easy to get pulled in and i'm just swept up and like, oh can i just feel them and feel my body mm-hmm. take some breaths and just feel my feelings and just be aware of every word every way i'm talking to myself and every image in my mind and oh like that that's not that's something happening in me but mm-hmm. I am the one that's aware of that. That helps immensely to just kind of create some space around the reaction. And mm. then I can start empathizing with myself in the way that I talked about earlier. Yeah. What, am I, what are my thoughts and feelings and needs? And what are the, what are the thoughts, feelings, and needs for the other person? Mm-hmm. And the so- first initial step mm-hmm. to me is that, that just what called a self-connection practice of just being that that awareness of of thought feeling the body and then from there going into what are the needs and and the the empathy great and so i'm just imagining people watching this and really some of them really resonating with this and feeling like i want to do this Mm. be the third chair you know in my in my challenge um would they just logistically would they go to a quiet place, both within themselves and in their environment, close their eyes. How do you do it? Like when you're feeling super triggered, how do you become the third chair? Yeah, I I normally just go for a walk or find a quiet place Mm -hmm. and just just do that. And it's easier to do if I'm, you know, just kind of sitting somewhere quietly or going for a walk or something. Mm -hmm. And uh but it's possible to do even to remember to do that in like when I was talking to my, my mother, my stepmother that um, when you asked about that earlier, I talked about it that I was doing a lot of that during that conversation. Uh, And I just kept remembering, Oh yeah, right. Right. I'm aware. And I could just see some of my thinking happening and I just kept going to my body and just feeling and breathing and just staying connected to my body and, and my breath and, just being just aware and and um, yeah. So the more you practice it, so I, here's something I've talked about a lot lately that I think it's really really powerful and helpful to have a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, because that's a lot of research shows that even they can see your brain actually changing in a positive way by having a regular meditation practice. Like mm-hmm. you literally, you can see it on, you know, like fMRIs or, or however it's measured. Uh, like really like um, meditators that meditate for a long time or even a certain period of time that can sh- measure differences. So that's just a really great practice, like going to the gym and strengthening that muscle of, of, of awareness and, and, and not so identifying with our thoughts. But what I think is maybe not necessary for all that or not or maybe somewhat different it's just the insight that the the me that i normally think of as me that's that's kind of this based in thought is is not not the 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 deepest me and that the it's more of an identification who do i identify with and if i identify with being the awareness of that 
then just just remembering that in an instant I can go there actually. If I just remember, oh yeah, I'm I'm just awareness. And having that thought is still a thought, but I can be aware of that and I just shifts me into that place and doesn't take years of meditation practice. Mm-hmm. It's more just a and then to me it's just the the the, the, physi- the physicalness of the third chair. It helps me visualize it a little bit. Like mm-hmm. there's me in the third chair and there's the in the other chair is me that I normally think of as me that's mm-hmm. reacting. Mm-hmm. And I can mm-hmm. just literally kind of, oh yeah, I'm the, if I'm, I'm not the, I'm not any thoughts or words in my head right now. I'm just the, and it just, boom, just takes me right there. Oh, that's incredible. And I'm thinking even if somebody wants to put three chairs out yeah. <laughs> to symbolize yeah. that. Yeah, you can do, and then that way you can kind of work with yourself yep. sometimes, or you can yeah. have someone, if you really trust and close with, sit there with you, like, you know, and, and do it, but, but yeah, you can just be, you know, either sit in that third chair and kind of be witnessing and present mm-hmm. for whatever's going on in different parts of you. The chairs mm-hmm. can represent different parts of you. Yeah. So one part, you, one part, the other person, mm-hmm. but literally, yeah, I do that. Sometimes I encourage people to do that. You don't have to, you can just kind of visualize it, but it does really help to, to do it, um, to do it kind of put out in physical space like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually encourage people when they have those difficult conversations where it feels right to invite the person to do a process to even say, sometimes depending on the situation, like that, that either have a third person be there or have a third empty chair there that just mm-hmm. symbolizes this ability in all of us to be aware and not just mm-hmm. is so identified with our, our reactive thinking and our, or any of our thoughts and emotions. Yes. Oh, this is wonderful. So I like to have the pet business owners that are watching this to really walk away with a solid action step that they can take mm-hmm. today. So for those that are really grappling with a challenge with a staff member or a client, what is one action? I mean, you've mentioned a lot of actions today. I don't know if this would be a different action or one that you mentioned today, but what's one action that they can do right now, really? Um, that will help them be able to have more uh, smoother and more loving communication with their clients and their staff members. Mm. The one, the thing that popped into my mind of the various things that that I I said, well, sort of two. One is this: some way it's been just it's so valuable to me this this shift of of ident- identifying with me the thinking language voice in my head talking to myself versus the, the part of me that's aware of that mm-hmm. if you can do that i mean it to me it's just been so incredibly helpful to shifting to to, to that fight or flight response not having so much control and power over us when we get triggered and caught in it and the other is needs is is this it, it, and it, it's a language uh, it's a different language. It's literally, almost, almost literally, like learning a new language, like Spanish or French or whatever. That you um, to be able to, I think of that from the third chair is really where you can see the needs that are behind that look kind of hidden behind the thoughts and the feelings. Because normally we're not. I think of it as hidden treasure, mm-hmm. and we're not aware of that. Usually, we're more aware of our thoughts, sometimes our feelings. And, and our strategies of what we want to do or not do or have other people do or not do. But we're rarely, unless we're trained, aware of the human universal needs that are just right there, shimmering sort of behind our thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And if you can train yourself 
to to be uh, looking for that and have a language, a literacy. Mm-hmm. And they're all words you know, but you're not used to using them that way. So just, you know, language for needs of trust and security or love or empathy or compassion or autonomy and freedom and meaning and purpose, like all these qualities, right? These needs are just universal qualities that we all relate to, that we all need to survive and thrive in the world. And, but they're not specific to a person, a place, a thing, an activity. They're just these universal qualities. And if you can train yourself mm-hmm. to listen for that in yourself, listen for those needs in you under your thoughts and feelings related maybe to yourself and then related to other people. And then if you can listen to that and how others are saying things to kind of just tune into, oh yeah, that's our, that's a common place of common understanding, a common connectedness as human beings. Mm. And it's, a, it's just a language that takes us to that, to that place of commonality and, yeah. and empathic connection. And it stimulates when we're there, oh, how can we work together to meet those needs compassionately out of, mm. out of care for each other? Because right. we do and we're connected. We really enjoy as human beings giving to each other, mm. nurturing each other, supporting each other. And the needs are a doorway through language to help us do that. And most people, unless they've studied something related to nonviolent communication, don't use needs in that way. And it's just very, very powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is powerful. Having used some of the modalities of the NVC work, it's incredibly powerful. And it really is a bridge. It's incredible. So before we go, I know you have a lot going on. And there are two questions that I'm asking all the speakers because I think it really helps pet business owners to just hear from some of our speakers about this. So one would be, I usually ask speakers, what's the best business advice you've ever been given? But I think in terms of you, I'd love to ask, what's the best communication advice you've ever been given in terms of who you've worked with and and what you've learned? That's one question. The other is, what do you do to recharge when you're really stressed? How Mm -hmm. do you come back to your center? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll start with the first question. And I, I did know you were going to ask these last two questions. Mm-hmm. So I thought of something. Oh. I think it's the same one I want to say um, about best piece of, and I, and I got a communication advice, or, but communication advice in, in relation to maybe having a business. Yeah. It might be, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what still comes to me is what I, what I thought of before. When I first saw this question and what immediately popped into my mind, one of the best learnings in business that, that, that I've had, if I can communicate it well, mm-hmm. is to, to line up the, the incentives or the contingencies, the consequences in a way that doesn't buffer you from reality. Um, there, I've been in business for, for a number of years with a wonderful buddy of mine. And, and this, the work that we now call Mediate Your Life is what I've been sharing with you, the version I, of, of the work that we do that's based on nonviolent communication, but it's this whole body of work that we call Mediate Your Life mm-hmm. and a business that we created around that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of learning, I, both for myself and others that we hired and that, that there are times when we wanted to be compassionate and nice and and kind of try to mitigate certain, if, if this happens, then to kind of soften the blow of some impact of that, like some real world consequence 
of, of, of falling short. Mm-hmm. And, and what I found is that it, it doesn't, it's not helpful to do that as, as, as well-intentioned as it, as it was in various ways that that, that happened. It wasn't letting us be in re- enough of reality, full reality of like the situation we were in. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of didn't have to face it until it was kind of down the line when it was, it was too, very hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Down the line. And if, if we had just been, if we just set things up differently so that we, we and the people working with us were really going to have to deal with the sort of whatever whatever happened or didn't happen in the business instead of basically seed money and capital kind of buffering it and making it okay mm-hmm. we weren't we weren't totally in reality around certain things so my that's been one of the greatest learnings for me is is just set up the incentives and the system so that you're fully in reality with the impact of whatever happens or doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I have just found it's easy to try to mitigate that in various ways with real good intentions. But um, it's almost like, you know, kind of keep your feet to the fire of dealing in the moment, like right when it's happening, shortfalls of expectation mm-hmm. and things happening that, that you know, you you – if you can deal with it then and there and the yeah. reality of that, it's, I've just found that that's been the best learning that I've had. So it's not so much advice from somebody else as yeah. from, from our own experience doing our own business together. One yeah. of the learnings I've had. I've seen that a lot um, in the people that I work with who really need to fire someone mm-hmm. and they are not taking action around that because it's uncomfortable or they're used to working with that person or whatever it may be. And they keep allowing that person to continue working for them. And it, it they, they're digging a hole for themselves actually is what happens. Yeah. I see that in businesses that I work with Yeah, that there are certain, um, what I would say certain difficult conversations that are not happening. Yes. And it's so common. We put those off. We don't have, or we have them, but we don't really have them. Yeah. And I think whether it's com- with ourselves, being getting real with ourselves or getting real with the people we're working with. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you can be compassionate. You can be empathic and understanding, but at the same time, be like, you know what? These yeah. things are not working and we need yeah. to do something about it. And maybe this isn't a great fit or, or we somehow need to resolve this. Mm-hmm. But we can do it in a way that uses good communication and really good, you know, caring about each other and listening. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like, get really have say the hard things yep. you know, and and, deal and with deal with the hard realities and come up with a solution that's actually going to work yeah and and, and uh, it's so common to put that off so that's why I, I love doing the work I do because it gives people some confidence yeah you have these skills and you have a if you have a framework at times when you really can help hold that conversation a context a container as you yeah. said then you can actually have the really difficult conversations and in a really productive, compassionate mm-hmm. way that you get to a mutually, hopefully mutually benef- satisfying outcome, mm-hmm. at least in the sense of you've honored each other, you've hurt each other, and then maybe you go your separate ways. But yeah, um, yeah to, that would be another piece of just have, do not put off the difficult conversations. And there are all these, these ways that you can help you have them. You don't have to mm-hmm. just be 
totally scared and mm-hmm. have no idea how to navigate through it, there are ways to navigate through. Yeah. There are lots of tools. Okay. And then talking about how do you recharge? Because I yeah. know you're a busy guy. You've got a lot going on. What yeah. do you do to take care of yourself when you're really just slammed and super busy? Yeah, I'd say, well, I take a lot of moments during the day. Mm-hmm. When, even if it's just three minutes or five minutes, I use my the timer on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, and I, I want to do this even more than I do because sometimes I'll just get easily, as, as most of us think, do get swept up in just doing a lot of things. But when I'm having a good day, I'm taking five to 10 breaks during the day where I'm just sitting for a few minutes, close my eyes or open, and I'm doing that that being in the third chair and I'm just breathing and I'm feeling my body and I'm really connecting to that being, being this, the awareness of my thoughts and not just a dead being my thoughts, but being this presence. And, and I just sinking into the just pure like enjoyment of being in the present moment with that. And I just try to touch in a, a, a bunch of times during the day and short, but short. So it doesn't have to take up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. And another way is I, I try to I do morning exercise where I go for a long run or walk in nature and, and actually do more of this, but in a, in a longer time frame while I'm exercising. Mm-hmm. And that really, that's just being out in nature and just taking in, mm-hmm. you know, nature in that way. And that really being yeah. in the present moment with it, with nature is really healing for me and rejuvenating. And I'd say last last thing I do is I like watching um, different kinds of YouTube videos that are really inspiring, like that are on different kinds of mindfulness and meditation or certain types of consciousness and spirituality are really moving to me or inspiring. But it could be other stuff that's just just really kind of in, um, it, fun and interesting and I'm learning or I'm it's 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 soothing in some way. Mm-hmm. So I, I like using that too. So not cat videos. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> videos. Yeah, apparently those are huge. I just uh, talking to a pet business owner consultant. I, I'm a little, you know, squeamish to say I'm not totally into pet videos, but uh, uh, that's okay. You don't have to be. Uh, there are many ways to relieve stress. Not. I've heard that that is a surprisingly huge phenomenon. Is that true? Still, that there are a lot of people that a lot of people that are into that. I'm not. I mean, I like a cat video now and then, but it's not my go-to for stress relief. But I think it is for some people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you being here today. And can you tell the pet business owners out there how they can find out more about you and your work? Sure. I have two websites. One is just for me, johnkinion.com. And you can see just a sort of broad description of, of my approach and the work I do in organizations or in public trainings or mediating or supporting people in difficult conversations in a lot of different ways. And then also there's another website that mediateyourlife.com. So that's the, 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 the company, the business that I created with, with this partner. And we've been doing for, for many years now, and we do these year long training programs all over the world. And um, so that's like pure kind of public training and really the in-depth with these kind of skills, uh, mm. these two, two websites that you can mediateyourlife.com and johnkinion.com. Thank you so much, John. Very welcome. My pleasure, Chris. I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Great. Have a wonderful day. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye. Hi, pet business owners. I hope you enjoyed this podcast segment with John Kenyon. 
I really enjoyed having this conversation with him, and I hope that it helps you. Again, I know we're really living in a very highly charged time right now, so I think the more that we can de-escalate, you know, within ourselves as well as in our conversations, our communications with our loved ones, with our clients, with our family, friends, staff members, the more peace we can bring to the world. That really is a way that we can actively be creating peace on a daily basis, both within ourselves and, you know, in our own lives and with the people that we share our life with, you know regardless of if they're close loved ones or if they're, you know, acquaintances. It really, really makes a difference. And I find that, you know, the more loving I can be in terms of my communication, that does have a ripple effect. And I usually don't know about it unless somebody tells me. Like, you know, when you smiled at me, it made a huge difference. Or when you listened to me, you know, and supported me, I was able to have a really wonderful conversation with my husband or, you know, whatever. We don't usually get to hear what happens as a result of our ability to communicate in a loving, compassionate, empathetic way, but it does matter and it makes a huge difference, especially now. People are so hungry for that. You know, so many are feeling broadsided by everything that's happening right now. So, you know, I really want to encourage you to be ultra loving with yourself. It definitely starts with the self first. When we can do that, we can then to begin to be loving to the people that we share our life with. And I want to remind you that John Kenyon does have a cheat sheet, a communication conflict resolution cheat sheet in the show notes page. You will find that at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 81. I want to say aloha from Hawaii. (laughs) Mahalo for listening. That means thank you in Hawaiian. And the Kokis say hello and thank you. The Koki frogs And I wish you a beautiful day, a wonderful week, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast episode. Take good care. Take very good care of yourself. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It would be great if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or pet business coaching topics you would like to hear on future podcasts, please visit us at www.prosperouspetbusiness.com or www.sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com.